EVs be damned. We're swamped with so much electric car news, but in the next 12 months, these old school front engine, rear drive, manual available combustion engine cars will be fighting for best-selling sports model in the Aussie market. Welcome. I'm Cars Guide Deputy Editor James Cleary, and joining me on the Cars Guide podcast panel to look at the impact of the new Nissan Z, next Ford Mustang, still fresh Subaru BRZ, Toyota GR86 twins, uh, the Super Manual and others are key contributor, Steve Otley. Thanks for having me, James. As well as senior editor, Tim Nicholson. Hello. Uh, we'll also cover off this week in news and take a look at the fresh metal we've been driving in cars in the garage. So stay with us. Now, Steve, you've written uh, a news story uh, and it's all about really the Nissan Z and talking about how it could come into the ascendancy as the country's best-selling sports model, um, given that's already, what are we, 1,200 pre-orders? Fill us in on the story. Yeah, so basically, Jason, yeah, you're right. It, it, the Z, I guess, is arriving at just the right time for the Z. You know, it's uh, obviously the Toyota 86 has gone. The, the new GR86 is only a few weeks away from arriving. Yep. Um, but Ford, the Mustang, which has been the best-selling sports car in this country for a long time, uh, is current. Well, currently, as we sit here and talk, the order book is officially closed because they have enough orders to get on with at the moment. Um, now, Ford have said, look, maybe we reopen it because because yep. the big news with the Mustang is in a couple of weeks, uh, yes. yours truly will be in Detroit to see the new Mustang uh, revealed. But Ford Australia hasn't said when that will arrive. And it's, you know, if you look at timings, it's probably realistically, if they're unveiling it in the US in September, we would be lucky to get it probably same time next year. Next year, but so, certainly second half of next year. Yeah, I would think sort of, yeah, second half of next year. So there's this six-month window where you would say the Z especially, and maybe yep. the maybe the GR86, they have it has this really great opportunity to become Australia's best-selling sports car if it can fill all those pre-orders. And I guess yep. that's the key is supply. And it's it's also a moment in time, isn't it, when you've got several models that are, you know, as I was saying a minute ago, front engine, rear drive, two-door, uh, combustion engine, manual available. They're all of those what now appear to be, some of them are turbocharged, but um, some of them are naturally aspirated as well. So they're pretty pure kind of uh, traditional sports options. It might be your last chance, you know, to get on board that train. Yeah, I, th I think this is the thing. I mean, for those watching on YouTube, you know, I've got the Hyundai Envision 74, which is an electric hydrogen concept. That's where Hyundai thinks it's going. You've got Lamborghini behind you, even Lamborghini, Ferrari. Those brands are talking about making electric cars. Yep. So certainly the days of, um, particularly as we talk about Mustang and Zed and, and you know the 86 and the Super, they're all under $100,000, which isn't necessarily affordable to everyone, but it's still relatively affordable. And I think the days on those kind of cars certainly feels certainly feels like the clock is ticking. Well, Tim, you've got um, a particular car behind you, which is kind of a perfect example of, of what we're talking about. It's a little mm. aged now. But um, which way would you be hitting? You want a Z, a Mustang? You want the Supra behind you? 
Look, I, the, I just think this is one of the most beautiful designs. I had, it was a toss-up between this or the 300 ZX, okay. the two of my favourite sports cars, you know, beautiful. given my vintage. Um, <laughs> it's interesting, though. I think I think the Z has a real opportunity, and there's so much love for, for Japanese, in particular, sports cars. Obviously, yep. Ford's got the whole American muscle car thing, and it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with the new one and how different it's going to be. I think, um, and Steve might be able to say, but I think that's going to be built on the same platform yeah. but I, that's also the case with the z it's it's its underpinnings are largely carry over from the 370z which i believe were also carry well, over from the 350z well, yeah. fe- fearless leader uh mal flynn reckons that the glass mm. is the same therefore the turret is the same that that really? all of those hard points are the same is that steve i see you tilting your head I, I, i'm not i'm not oh yeah I, I don't mal's the expert on glass turrets um <laughs> <laughs> Always has been. I would say the thing, the thing I have said uh, is not not to not to give the Z a free pass, but mm-hmm. and and to give Nissan like a free kick, I suppose. But the fact that that car exists in any form, even though it is largely like you say, it's it's the same platform, it's slightly tweaked, it's you know the engine that they've taken from the Infinity parts bin and they've put it, you know, it's it's a bit of a bits of car. But I guess this gets to the heart of what we're talking about. The fact that Nissan built it, built it. the fact that Nissan, you know, t- took the effort. I mean, there's still an effort and time and money to build the car. So even to continue to offer the manual transmission, they're all things that you know, logically Nissan shouldn't have done. And give you us know, your Nissan, anecdote. Give us your anecdote about this internal sales job on getting the manual. Up. So the, ma- the manual, I mean, is one of the great stories. So uh, Hiroshi Tamura is the... Well, he's now official. His official title is now brand ambassador because I believe he's passed a retirement age in Japan. But he is okay. the man <laughs> behind Z and GTR. They are his babies, and he oh, yeah. went to the extreme of when he was presenting to Nissan management why they should keep the manual. He came up with a big slide, and in you know thousand point font, it said forty slash sixty, as in forty percent of Z sales were manual. That was the message he was getting across. What he didn't tell the management, management obviously are like, well, we can't get rid of a manual if it's 40% of the customers. That's That would be crazy. What he didn't point out was in the bottom right-hand corner of that slide in like six-point font, it, it gave the caveat that that was for the 370Z Nismo. So exactly. he didn't necessarily Listen. lie to his bosses. He just maybe presented the truth in a, in a particular way. Yeah. And, it's and, up to them to interrogate the slide. Yeah, you got to, you got to look at the slide exactly. in detail. That's why yes. I always check your slides. Um, that's, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just, I mean, it's fascinating. Look, that, that's a, he's a, Tamura-san is a real passionate car guy. And, and it's, yep. mm. but unfortunately, most car companies now don't think in those kind of terms. They don't think passionately and they don't think, oh, I better dodgy up this slide so I can well, make sure we it, save the manual gearbox. It's mm. interesting when you expand the horizon out to take in the Mustang, there's Ford, you know, another big, obviously one of the most global of players, and it's going down the EV path. But this next Mustang, not only are they keeping the naturally aspirated five-litre V8, the Coyote, but they're upping the power output. Mm. So it's going from 339 kilowatts to, we believe, 373. That's almost 500 horsepower. Mm. So as, if it's a last hurrah, it's some last hurrah. Um, and I think, it, I don't know about you guys, but I see the mustang is one of those one day cars like you get a burst of of initial interest in some models and then it inevitably plateaus and then starts to taper off 
I think the Mustang's been consistently successful yeah. because there are people who have got it in their sights like, I'm going to have one of those one day. It's like such an iconic model. It's very true. And I think they've done a really, like we, we've talked about Ford quite a bit on the podcast in terms of their sales and obviously that real reliance on Ranger and Everest JC, but like that Mustang, when when that came out in Australia, I think it was their third best-selling model for quite a while. Yeah, yeah, and you're yeah. right. And looking at those sales, like now it's still not doing too badly. Uh, and I, I think similarly to what Nissan's done, hats off to Ford for going, yes, we're going to do another one. Sure, we're yep. going deep into electrification, but here's an icon and we're going to let it go. I mean, will it last beyond 2030? Probably not. Who knows? Well, well I mean, I, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. The American market is the key for some of it, I suspect. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I think we've seen, I mean, I think that's partly the reason we see things like the Mustang Mach-E yep. is laying the foundations for the future. I, I You know, it's one of those cars, like you say, James. It, it's perennially popular. It's it's it is the ex, it's sort of the exception to the rule. Like you say, mm. typically sports mm. cars come in with a bang, yep. and they yep. sort of it, like even the eighty six to a degree did that. Yeah. Um. But the Ford, the the Mustang has obviously declined in sales, but it has stayed pretty steady. And the fact that Ford even now yep. are still getting steady orders, even though there's a new one just around the corner, yeah, uh, mm. says a lot about it as a car. But I think. I think the fact that we see the Mark E with the Mustang name, I think they're probably yep. laying the groundwork for it because I, I just can't imagine a Ford motor company without a Mustang now. Isn't that interesting? And and I've got to say, I've said it before, when I drove the current car in the Mark 1 form, so it had a little more horsepower and a few tweaks here and there, the the cue ball kind of gear yeah. shift or whatever, I was looking at it thinking, yeah, this is kind of the end of an era. And then you got in it and it's mm. so good. It's mm. such a good car. Yeah. The gearbox is brilliant and it's balanced and it's so fun to drive and it sounds amazing. Mm. I can absolutely see the appeal. And you're right, it's such an iconic car for Ford, just like mm. the Z is for Nissan. I mean, the Fair Lady in Japan, that's part of their heritage and uh, it's a tricky one to deal with as these years tick by. Yeah. Well, look, you know, our, like electric sports cars seem like an inevitability now. And I think, mm. you know, to, for me, like... I love the sound of an engine. I love the smell of petrol. I, you know, I think like you say, when you hopped in that, one of the great things about that Mark one Mustang was the noise. It just made us such a fantastic noise. And I think yeah. obviously we'll lose that, but hopefully there are people, I mean, like I say, you see it with the Hyundai behind me. It, it's, you know, these car companies are hopefully still thinking about sports cars, even in an electrified world, because they are, they are, I think, so important to the fabric of the brand. Like, see, I can't imagine Ford without a Mustang. I can't really, you know, I can't imagine like Toyota without a sport. Even Toyota is a brand. You know, they've had the Super mm. and the 86 and the mm. MR2. And, that, you know, even for a brand that, that, you know, quote, unquote, boring like Toyota, they still have a long heritage of sports cars. Those well, that, are the cars that, that make that, the brand. That's a story that's been clicking well through the week. Chester's story about Toyota going from boring to bonkers. And and that's all Accio Toyota saying, look, we're not going to be boring anymore. We want some excitement. And and yeah. that's sports cars. It's 86, it's Supra, it's it's others. Mm. So they've been very much down that road. Yeah. I mean, that, interesting on the Japanese front, though, like we're talking about these few brands. Um, obviously, Mazda's got the MX-5, but yep. they've been talking about something that would be more a super competitor. Well, you know, they've had concepts and all that kind of stuff, bringing back the rosary for that kind of thing. Where's that vehicle? Yeah. Honda. Don't we want a Honda? Like, bring back the glory days of the 80s and the 90s. It's well, right? we did Prelude, we, whatever. We did have that, though. This is sort of the great 
uh, period that we're living in now. Like there, there was a period there a few years ago where we did have the big, like, you know, the Japanese trio, right, of Supra, uh, NSX, and uh, GTR were all contemporary cars. Obviously, the GTR was a bit old, yeah. but... I mean that's an exciting that's exciting and it's and it's interesting that they all they were all there at a period when you would think you know now's the time where we got to stop making sports cars we've got to make electric car you know so mm. obviously there are people within these car companies like Tamarison and others that are just like no we have yeah. to keep making these cars mm. because they they you know be an interesting it'd be to be a fly on the wall in some of these uh development mm. meetings uh, with with various ones would be very very interesting um but I suppose in the absence of knowing what's down the road in terms of sports cars, you tend to think all kinds of things. I reckon it's great to just pause, recognize this moment and say, this is great. You know, there are, there are these yeah. options here and it's maybe time to strike, you know, if you've been thinking about it. Yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Could not agree more. I think this, that I think is, is the key probably should hopefully be the key takeaway for people listening to this is if you love sports cars, now's the time. You know, yeah. now is the time to enjoy yep. it, embrace it. Like you say that, you know, the Mustang is maybe those one day cars. Well, that day might be now, you know, yeah, that yeah. day might be now for a Z. It might be, you know, like, cause even though it is, a, it's, you know, it's obviously same chassis parts being engine, the new Z looks great. It's such a mm, great nice. looking car. You know, the, the Mustang is still, even though it's about to be replaced, the Mustang still has appeal. Like the, the new, the BRZ is a fun car. The GR86 mm. is coming. Like there's so many yep. Of these great cars, don't forget MX Five. Correct. MX Five. I mean the Supra. The Supra, which with the manual, the, very yeah, shortly. they're doing a manual. I mean, the biggest criticism of the Supra is it's apparently is it's a BMW, which is the most bizarre <laughs> criticism in the world. Like, so, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like, <laughs> uh, all right, well, that's, that, that's good. That's a good discussion. I think we've we've noted and marked uh, the fact that there's a convergence. The stars are aligning, and and maybe is uh, time for people to act. So interesting times but we shall move on and we're going to move on to the news desk this week in news and steve can yes. i uh start with you we just mentioned it toyota yes. it's a it's a chesto story but yeah. i'll get you to cover it top line well, about did... Toy toyota's shift in personality yeah you did steal my thunder there Sorry, mate. <laughs> it's unbelievable um yes as what do you say from, from that, that would be predicated politics. on your ability to generate thunder for me to steal it <laughs> <laughs> Checker. Um, as a car's deep cut for everyone. Um, yes. So Toyota, you know, what yeah, I think Chesto's fantastic headline was from boring to bonkers, bonkers because they have really embraced Accio Toyota's vision uh of taking the from a brand, you know, the old uh, the so-called white goods on wheels, and now we have, I mean, they're anything but white goods anymore, right? Mm. GR Yaris is effectively a rally homologation car. Such a, great, I mean, such a great it's just, car. It's such a fantastic. Yeah. I mean, just the premise of it is so fantastic that they would do that. And then GR Corolla is coming. Like you say, Supra Manual, GR86 is around the corner. They've talked about G, uh, GRS Hilux, Tundra. Yeah. You know, the fact that Tundra is coming. I mean, these are, yeah. this is a real, like they tried the initial attempt to sort of, I guess, make Toyota more exciting cars like the FJ Cruise and the Ruckus was a little bit of a swing and a miss, but I mean, it's hard to argue now that Toyota is not a genuinely exciting See, car it brand. It was kind of teething troubles, wasn't it? And I mean, yeah. I think the combination of a brand that people trust and then putting some pizzazz into it is magical. 
If all yeah. you've got is the pizzazz, people are a little bit, um, you know, distrusting of it. But if you've got that yeah. solidity behind it and the, hey, we've got some fun, that's that's pretty strong proposition. Yeah, and that's perfectly think, exemplified in the Corolla. Like, you know, it's Corolla is, yeah. I think, a really good small car, very solid, very reliable. But then the the GR coming, like how Don't excited are people for that? That exactly. people are going bonkers for that. All right. Yeah. Now there's that's a great word. And um, <laughs> so all the details are in Chesto's choice. So people, if you want to go and click on that, thank you, Steve. Now, Tim, we have got what I'm calling Wei Yuan Meng Madness. Uh, <laughs> fill us in on what you've discovered. <laughs> Thank you, JC. Yes. Look, so this, uh, the last couple of weeks, we've had the Chengdu Motor Show in China. Um, and one of the brands, well, there's a lot of brands that show very unusual looking cars, but I think probably the weirdest looking thing there was something called the Wei Yuan Meng. Now, Wei, for those who don't know, is Great Wall Motors, GWM's sort of premium brand. It's, I wouldn't say the Lexus to their Toyota, but it is their kind of higher end brand, like a Buick or whatever. Um they don't sell it here. They won't be selling way here because they're doing so well with the Havel SUV yeah. brands. So they don't really yeah. need it. This thing is uh, the only way to describe it is it's so it's a retro design. We'll have pictures, of course, that you can see and obviously head to the website to have a better look. It's a cross between an original Volkswagen Beetle, um, a Saab 96 or Sun 96. I'm not sure how you say it from the 60s, that shape mm. and a Chrysler PT Cruiser. And it's fabulous. Why haven't you seen think a photo of, of this think car? Of a better combination. Okay. It is. I'm have to Google this. And it's, <laughs> look, it's interesting because it's it doesn't look like all the way SUVs. They're actually really sharply designed, really nice looking vehicles. I think they would do well if they came here. This looks like nothing like any of them. It it's actually reminded me chart. of um, the Rolls Royce grill kit you could buy for original Beetles. Very, <laughs> very much. You know, when you could plonk the big, you know. Pantheon, Parthenon, whatever grill oh. on the front. Okay. Yeah. Well, that, that's a beauty. Oof. So yes. all the details are there and more pics. Um, and a lot more pics. Well, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to read that story. That sounds fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Please do. Suck look, me in. The other thing that we've uh, seen people tuning into, uh, creating a lot of click behavior, is the fact that Walkinshaw is now twice as big as it was when HSV was around. So you tend to think of, this piecemeal work going on to convert various vehicles from left to right-hand drive, um, other special packs put on, on vehicles, but that's the fact, you know, Walkinshaw is now, we're led to, we, our estimate is a thousand employees at Clayton and HSV at its peak only ever had around 500. So, so in terms of soaking up some of that expertise in terms of engineering and production and assembly and all of those things, You've got the likes of Walkinshaw. You've got Premcar uh, as well doing things with Nissan. So when you count up uh, what what Walkinshaw's up to, mm. all the Ram vehicles that they're doing, um, the Chevrolet Silverado, um, they're in cahoots with Toyota to do the Tundra, which we uh, talked about just a little while ago. So a lot is going on, and and we've got all the details in the story. And Toyota is focused on OE levels of design and development, testing and the componentry and all of that stuff. So it's not, you kind of fly by night, um, let's let's convert right, left to right-hand drive by putting a chain from the steering box across mm. to the wheel on the other yeah, side. Yeah, I, I think that's, yeah, I think that's a really important point to make with this stuff, particularly yeah. Walkinshaw, because I was fortunate enough to do a tour a few years ago when they were doing the Camaros. Ah, yeah. Very, very briefly, the five minutes they were doing those. Mm. Um <laughs> 
But the, I mean, the level of detail and the work that, you know, they, they like to use the term remanufactured rather yes. than converted, which yeah. s- sounds like a bit of, you know, marketing fluff until you actually see the process. And they are really, they yeah. tear those cars down yes. and then rebuild them piece by piece. Like it's, it's mm. a huge amount of work and it's a well, great ad for Australian. Could you imagine, we were just talking about Toyota and its reputation facility and, and reliability. If all of a sudden their Tundra truck comes out here and there's some fault and, you know, the, the worst case scenario, that would be horrendous from a bad yeah, brand point no, of view. They've, yeah. got to, they've got to get it right. So a lot of pressure. Which makes sense why they've teed up with Walkinshaw, yep. you know, like because okay. those guys are obviously the experts at it. Well, that's good. So that's just a smattering of, of what we've got in the news section. So for more details, um, head to the site and check all of that out. And now we're going to cars in the garage, actual metal, rubber, glass, uh, on wheels that we've been steering. And Tim, can I start with you? A, a kind mm-hmm. of top line take on a car that you've been driving recently. Yeah, for sure. So I spent a bit of time um, with the BMW 1 Series and the 2 Series Grand Tour, Grand Coupe, sorry. But I'll focus on the 1 Series hatch. So I had the base model, which is the um, the 118i. Yeah. It's. I've always had problems with these kind of like entry level premium hatchbacks because you just don't get a lot of value. Like this thing is forty nine thousand nine hundred before on road costs, and you know it, it just simply doesn't have the level of kit you'd get in maybe a higher grade Mazda three or even probably a mid level Golf. Yeah. Um, and being one of the big Germans, obviously you know innumerable options and options packs to bring yeah. that price up. Mine only just had premium paint, I think, so it was only about a thousand dollars extra, but. Because I was so not impressed by the base model Mercedes-Benz A-Class, I wasn't really sure how to go with this, but I just loved that little car in the end and I really turned a corner. And you know what? If you've got the money and you want that badge, who am I to say, oh, you should look somewhere else like a Mazda 3 or something for better value? If you don't care about all that other stuff, go for gold because that... That, that's got that little um, the three-cylinder engine that's in the Mini but uprated yep. a bit. Yep. Um, so I think it's 103 kilowatts, 220 newton metres, which doesn't sound like much. Gee, it's a punchy little thing, and it's so right. fun. Like, Unreal. I think going from rear drive to front drive, a lot of people have their say on that. Honestly, for me, for the performance you get out of that car, it hasn't really impacted it negatively. I thought it was terrific. Oh, isn't I, that great? Like, yeah, big fan. That's great. Awesome. Mm. Wonderful. So... That review is up on the site now, isn't it? Uh, if not, it's about to be about very to be. shortly. All right. So yes. keep eyes peeled if that it's not up there. That was a very clear hurry up, Tim. For <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm only aware that I know the Tim's filed. It's as yep. usual. It's all fine. <laughs> um, now, Steve, thank you, Tim. Yes. Steve, we will move on to your good self. Um, a Skoda. A Tell Skoda, us all about yes. it, please. Give, uh, us, give us your the, rundown. The Kodiak RS, which is obviously yep. the... Uh, sporty seven-seat SUV. Um, the big the big change for this one, this is obviously the new for 22 model. Um, the big change is the old model had a twin-turbo diesel, two-litre yep. twin-turbo diesel, which was a cracking little engine. Uh, obviously, for some reason, Volkswagen Group seems less keen on diesel engines these days. <laughs> so they've swapped <clears throat> to yeah. a, I don't know why, two-litre, four-cylinder petrol engine, basically the yep. same engine you get in a Golf, GTI. Uh, so it's a punchy little engine, 180 kilowatts, 370 newton meters, which is that's all right on paper. Yeah, yeah until plenty. you realize the old diesel had 500 newton meters. Oh, so, right, you know, okay. it's a little awkward. Um, but having said that, look, it doesn't feel 
it doesn't you don't feel like it's all of a sudden it's it's you know can't pull the is it can't pull the skin off a rice skin off a rice the, pudding yes the old people say um <laughs> i knew it immediately <laughs> self burn um but yeah look it's it's sixty nine thousand two hundred and ninety dollars um like i say it's seven seats uh seven seats it's really a five plus two you know yep. it's, it's volkswagen yeah. all space so it's not exactly a, a huge car it's, it's fairly narrow bodied but cool. um it's good it's fun to drive it's really well equipped it's got all those little you know clever touches that skoda has like my yep. kids love the idea it has a bin in the door pocket it's got the little clip for your parking ticket on the well that's because your screen. kids generate a lot of rubbish so <laughs> anything that allows them to you know get rid of it you thought that was a burn. That is a genuine, actually, accurate comment. They, <laughs> they make a heck of a lot of a mess in one week. But yeah, I, just, I, I, I love it. I think it was, a, I thought it was a great car. Yeah. Um, like I say, if you need a seven full time seven seater, it's probably too small. But if you, yeah. if you're just looking for that occasional seven seat, it fits the bill. It's fun, and it's to, fun drive. to drive. Yeah, Unreal. it looks good. Unreal. It looks really sophisticated inside. That's so, good. Yeah. I reckon Skoda as a brand will be one to watch in the next. 18 months, two years, because their, their shift up market, I find can, a bit baffling. Um, mm. But uh, anyway, we'll see how they go. It's good that, mm. that you enjoyed that one. Uh, thank you, Steve. I will finish us off with a Kia, and it's the Nero, but it's the plug-in hybrid, the oh. GT line. I think there's an S, and then this GT line is the upper spec, so it's just over $50,000 before you put it on the road. Uh, so the petrol part is 1.6-litre Atmo 4, um, you've also got electric motor, hundred. The combined outputs 104 kilowatts, 170 newton meters. So you're not talking massive uh, grunt here. It's front wheel drive. You get the six speed dual clutch. So yeah, naught to 100 in about 10 seconds. One of those cars. There's a whole bunch around that mark. Um, the pluses I had well 1.3 liters per hundred kilometers. And um, that's that's your claimed figure first hundred k's. It, it might be different after that, but. Um, I also love the color of the car we had. It's called Cityscape Green, and it's some kind of semi-military uh, flat color. I didn't see any metallic in it. I just love the color. It's comfy, even though it runs on 18s. They've managed to get the suspension tuned such that it's comfy even on, on broken roads. Great connectivity. Every time I got in, the car play was working like a dream. No um, you know, problems at all. Heated and ventilated front seats, and I'm, I'm a lover of, of vented seats. Sleek screens, the nice regen braking, um, all of that was really good. On the minus, uh, I don't love the C-pillar treatment that they've gone for. They've got like a black strake down, oh, the, yeah. down the side of the car. That's just a personal thing. When the engine does play a part, it's a little bit raucous. You, you tend to notice that the engine is, is doing its thing. And inside, it's a bit of a functional feel. You've got this recycled plastic synthetic kind of um, trim. And it feels very functional, not exactly classy or, or whatever. So I suppose it fits the bill in terms of that environmental bent, but it wasn't, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't love it. I reckon it's lots of dollars for what it is, $50,000, but that's, that's kind of fev for you. Um, it is loaded up with a lot of safety and, and other features for that kind of money. And I also think not everyone's going to love the look of it because it's a little bit it's pushing the envelope a little bit in terms of uh, the way it looks. It's, it's not exactly conservative. It's, it's, they stand out on the road. They do stand out. So they do stand out. I think it'll be a bit Marmite, you know, you, you, mm. you love it or leave it alone, but um, I enjoyed driving it. I thought it was surprisingly comfortable on those rims. But qu question, would you buy a, a comp, a, you know, a small SUV from Kia for $55,000? No, that's, that's why I think it's probably a little, a little bit above the odds. 
Mm, dollars just for me mm. but um i'm you know i haven't really been investigating that market too much lately but that's where i'd sit with it all right and look with that we've reached the finish line so it's time to say thanks to all our listeners and viewers and thank you tim thank you jc and thank you steve always a pleasure and well done to our world champion producer mr pritchard uh he has his post podcast afternoon sorted because today he's wearing a T-shirt saying, my garage is calling, I must go. Um, jump into the conversation. Cars Guide is on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn. Or traditionalists can email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. Um, uh, listeners, please take a minute to rate and review the show. Five stars would be great. And viewers, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to subscribe to the Cars Guide channel so you can stay on top of all our latest content. But before we go, a mate of mine had the worst car share trip earlier this week. It was thumping rain late at night, and it soon became apparent the driver was erratic behind the wheel, going way too fast, obviously upset and distracted. Sure enough, before my mate could say anything, they understood off the road near the local shops, plowing across the footpath, punching a hole through the thankfully closed supermarket wall, and destroying the first two shelving units. Before they came to a halt, my mate was already shouting at the driver, what are you doing? Hit the brakes. What the hell? To which the driver screamed back, look, I'm sorry. I'm going through a lot of things right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs>